why I'm so happy to be able to be standing in front of you today to be able to tell you that Jesus is really good at his job. He is really good at giving us spiritual rest. He is really good at going to work while we rest. Do you know how passionate Jesus is that you should know that? Jesus is so passionate that you should know that you can spiritually rest in him that he asked a man to do the thing that he feared most doing. I'll go ahead and ask you to read with me this gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This is the gospel of our Lord. You know, uh, time is ticking towards the date that will mark a year and a half since my family arrived here in Oregon. It's been a wonderful year and a half, and we've learned a lot about what it means to be Oregonians, to be Portlanders, to be Thai Guardians. First of all, I have learned that in rainy weather like this, it is not okay to have an umbrella. That's just not cool. I've also learned that it's pronounced cooch and not couch. I've got that in my pronunciation guide right here in front of me. I've also learned that if you are a fan of IPAs and of any beer, really, Portland is where you want to be. 
And finally, I've learned, and this is the part that maybe I love the most, that I've learned, that almost everyone loves being outdoors. I hope you all realize how rare, how unique that is in the country. I've been privileged to live in every part of the country, north, south, east, now west, and this is the only place where people all, pretty much to a person, love being outdoors. And I tell you what, this outdoorsy culture, it has reintroduced to me a food that in my life has gone unrecognized and at very least unrespected up until now. Can you guess what that food is? I'll give you a few hints. First hint, this is a food that almost any hiker or trail runner or camper brings with them when they go outdoors. And no, Sarah, it's actually not Oreos. Second hint, this is probably the most convenient food product that has ever been produced. You know, you can just grab it off the shelf, grab it out of your bag, and it's ready to eat, ready to consume. Now here's your third hint, in case you need another one. This is probably not the go-to snack for you while you are at home. But when you are five miles into your hike, it might just be the most beautiful thing that you've ever eaten. Can you guess what food I'm talking about? I'm talking about the humble granola bar. And I know it might seem like a really weird way to start off a sermon, but I'll share with you why I'm thinking about granola bars this morning. It's because we have a text in front of us this morning that makes granola bars controversial. You realize what that, that's what the controversy was about, right? That's all it was. It was just about granola bars. Peter and the disciples, they were out in, wait for it, they were out in nature's valley, going out and getting a nature's valley, because they were hungry. That's all it was. It was just basically a granola bar. Granted, there was no wrapper and there was no beautiful little honey to bind it all together, but that's what it was. It was just that little bit of a snack to tide you over until your next meal. There are more beautiful, more elegant, more delicious ways to get your calories in a day, but sometimes you just got to eat on the go. That's what the disciples were doing. And I never thought that I'd spend four years in Bible college and four more years studying to be a pastor in order to stand in front of a group of people like this and talk about granola bars. And yet, here we are. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's not my fault, y'all. I wasn't the one that made this controversy. This controversy was made by the Pharisees. Apparently, they were out there in the field, too, just watching Jesus and watching for him to make a mistake, and they thought they found it. They saw the disciples eating the grain, and they said, hey, that looks like work. And this is the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, you are not supposed to do any work. Can we understand that accusation? 
Can we understand the accusation that the Pharisees were levying against the disciples that they were breaking the Sabbath law? Because this was the Sabbath day, and on the Sabbath day, you're not supposed to work. And when I say you're not supposed to work, I mean you're not supposed to work. No physical effort whatsoever because God said, rest. God rested on the seventh day of creation and he passed that on to the Israelites. He said, nobody shall rest on the last day of the week. But see, God didn't define for them what is rest. And God didn't define for them what is work. And so over the years, the Israelites developed their own set of regulations for regulating rest and regulating work on the Sabbath. There were all kinds of rules so that people could know what is rest and what is work. You could only take a certain number of steps throughout the course of the day. You could only make certain physical movements. You could only cook certain kinds of foods. It was all to regulate this rest. So can we understand this accusation that the Pharisees were giving the disciples? I think we probably could. If the disciples were out in that day tilling the soil and working the ground and covering all kinds of area with their feet and and breaking a sweat, but that's not what they were doing. The physical action that they were doing was popping a few heads of grain off of a stalk, which was totally legal for the Israelites, and then they were rubbing that stalk in between their hands to break the grain out of the head and then popping them in their mouths like a granola bar. And yet, Jesus, do you see what your disciples are doing? They are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. As if. As if God's plan for the Sabbath included that his children should be hungry. As if God's plan for the Sabbath included a work stoppage so complete that it included human starvation. It's just bonkers what was going on here just bonkers well not so fast i think we should stop for a second and give the pharisees some credit here i think it would be easy like it is always easy for viewers on the outside to throw the characters under the bus But I think we need to stop here, take a second, and give the Pharisees some credit and also recognize something about ourselves. See, the Pharisees were doing something right, at least they were trying to. They recognized that keeping the Sabbath day was a commandment. And they were keeping it holy, at least they were trying to. Because it is a commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, God says, regularly and cyclically rest. Take a holiday. 
Did you, did you know this, that the word holiday comes from two words, holy day? Take a holy day, regularly do this, regularly rest. That's the commandment. And I've always thought that if there was going to be one commandment that all of us could get behind, I, I always thought that it would be the third commandment. Because we work hard. And I always thought that it would be this commandment that we could all get behind God. Okay, you're telling me to take a break. Fine. If you insist, I'll take a rest. Isn't this a great commandment? You have been divinely given permission, and even more than that, you have been divinely commanded to take a rest. But you know how it is. There's always something else that we feel like we have to be doing. There's always family that we got to see. There's always obligations that we got to perform. There's work to do. There's goals to meet. There's things to achieve. It makes us feel like sitting down is laziness. It's our American culture. We love doing that. And I'll tell you how far we've gotten. You know, we got our exercise watches, and we've actually gotten to the point where we wear our watches at night now. Why? So that we can measure our rest, so that we can even turn our rest into a performance. Oof. We're starting to sound a little bit like the Pharisees here, trying to take our own spiritual rest into our own hands. And we feel like we have to do that, right? We feel like we have to go out there and take advantage of every moment, seize the day, make the most of every opportunity, so much so we feel like that, that we feel like if we are going to take a holy day, even if we're going to take a holy morning, it feels like a robbery. It feels like we are being robbed of our most precious asset, which is our time. Whether that's our work time or our leisure time. And I'm going to give, dig down just another level deeper. Do you understand why we work so hard at working and why we also work so hard at resting? It's because we're living in a little bit of a false belief. We are living the false belief that we are those who are capable of dealing with their own spirituality by themselves. Because we're believing that we are those who can be completely spiritually independent from anyone else. That we are those who need no spiritual renovation or no spiritual recharge whatsoever. Because it feels unsafe to leave the true task of spiritual rest to anyone but ourselves. It feels unsafe to do that. Because we're struggling to believe that Jesus is capable of giving us that rest. And that's why I'm so happy 
to be able to be standing in front of you today, to be able to tell you that Jesus is really good at his job. He is really good at giving us spiritual rest. He is really good at going to work while we rest. Do you know how passionate Jesus is that you should know that? Jesus is so passionate that you should know that you can spiritually rest in him that he asked a man to do the thing that he feared most doing. Did you catch this in in the second half of this morning's reading? There was a man there with a shriveled hand. I was considering putting a picture of a shriveled hand up on the screen this morning, uh, but I decided against it because a picture like that, it really sears itself into your mind. It's hard to unsee it, so I decided against it. You can look it up by yourself if you'd like to later, but Jesus asked this man to reach out his hand in front of the entire church. I mean, can you imagine this? This was a guy who would have spent his whole life trying to figure out how he could make it happen that people wouldn't see his shriveled hand. So that people wouldn't see his disability. Maybe you can imagine what that feels like. The anxiety that bubbles up in your heart as you walk into a room and you worry about whether people are going to be able to see what's going on inside of you. Maybe you can imagine how this man felt with his shriveled hand, planning all the ways that he would walk, tucking his hand into his shirt, uh, tucking his hand behind his back or under a table so that no one would be able to see his hand and judge him and think worse of him. And then Jesus says to him, stretch out your hand. That's how badly Jesus wants you to know that you can rest. He asked this man to do that. You have to think about this, how powerful this must have been. This man, who is likely a social outcast, who is likely in a financially horrible place, this man who had everything to hide. This man came to church, and he came to church to rest. He came to leave behind the world that he knew was so broken. And he came to rest from the world that considered him to be broken. He came to just rest in God. And while he rested, while he rested, Jesus went to work. Stretch out your hand, Jesus said. And his hand was completely restored, exactly the same as the other hand. I'll ask you to imagine this again. Can you imagine how this man's eyes must have bulged out of his head as he saw his restored hand for the first time? 
as it started to dawn on him how he never was going to have to feel anxiety ever again, walking into a room wondering how people are going to be thinking about him. Never again. And why? Because he had gone to church to rest. Because Jesus had gone to work while he rested. While you rest. While you take a break. While you step off of life's treadmill just for a second. While you rest, Jesus goes to work. I mean, think about what we're doing here this morning, this rest that we're doing here this morning. In we come to this brand new home for our church. In we come, even with all the stuff that we're worrying about not doing that we've left behind at home. In we come with our spiritually shriveled hearts because you've got to admit it. None of us are beautiful. None of us are spiritual beauties here. In we come with our shriveled hearts and Jesus goes to work every single time. He sees our shriveled hearts and he restores them. He restores them on his cross. Just like he asked the man to reach out his shriveled hand, Jesus stretches himself out on the cross and forgives our sin. So that when you pull back, you can see that your heart has been completely restored in Jesus. Your sin has been completely forgiven, perfectly restored. Confusion turns into confidence. Worry turns into trust. Pride turns into humility in Jesus. All that happens while you rest. When the disciples were hungry, when we get hungry, Jesus gave them, Jesus gives us something so profoundly better than a granola bar. He gives us himself. See, that's what Sabbaths are all about. Therefore, spiritual rest for us in Jesus. I'll ask everyone to take a deep breath this morning. Look at yourself with new eyes. See how, how you have been renewed by Jesus' cross. Rest today. You're safe to do that. It's like I told you. Jesus is really good at his saving work. Let's pray. 
Lord, every single one of us has some guilt because we try to do life without you, without your word, trying to live spiritually, independently. We ask you to forgive us, praising you because you have kept us from ourselves, going out and self-destructing on our own. Lord, we pray to you today that you give us a sense of rest trusting in your gospel that we are perfectly restored. Lord, let us live out of that just as powerfully as that man who had his shriveled hand restored. Amen.